This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. In the past few months, the market for medical equipment Things like masks, gloves, and ventilators has ballooned. It is now estimated to be $50 billion. And many of the buyers, like states and hospitals, don't have relationships with the makers of the gear they desperately need. So they've turned to middlemen. Some of these are legitimate vendors, but there is also a new cast of fly-by-night brokers who in some cases have left public officials short millions of dollars and without the essential supplies they need, making this vital market at times unreliable. Today on the show, the wild west of buying protective gear and the opportunists who have jumped into the fray. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, May 13th. As the shortages of medical supplies became a public health crisis earlier this year, some people saw that market need as an opportunity. And they stepped in to be brokers, the middlemen, between the manufacturers of things like gloves and masks, most of which are made in China, and the officials in the U.S. who need those supplies. And some of these middlemen had never done it before. One was an antiques broker outside of Philadelphia. He now spends his days and nights, he says, he's up all night uh, dealing with folks in China from his living room with his screaming kids behind him trying to cut deals. That's our colleague Brody Mullins. One of the guys who we followed launched his company, created the LLC in March. On March 26th, he had in hand a $600 million deal with the state of California. Now, that eventually went awry. But if you can go from days after launching your company to landing a multiple $100 million deal, one, it shows you how crazy the marketplace is. But two, it can show you the huge incentive that someone would have to try to get into this marketplace. And Brody says that to enter this market, they really only need one thing to get started, a contact in China. If someone has a connection to a Chinese manufacturer or a manufacturer anywhere who can provide this stuff, they go to that manufacturer, they see what they can come up with, and then they basically start marketing either over the internet or cold calling hospitals or states and saying, hey, do you need masks? I have masks. In their desperation, states and other buyers are turning to these middlemen and at times placing orders with completely untested sellers. It can be a truly nail-biting experience. You're sending this money out. You're sending taxpayer money out. Your sort of job is on the line. You're risking your reputation to try to get this stuff, entrusting with them almost the lives of your first responders. And you're giving the money to someone who 30 days earlier had zero experience in this marketplace. So, you know, you're jumping off a high dive and just hoping. What we've reported several times in the last few weeks is states signing a deal with someone who they didn't previously know, who has not been in the marketplace for very long, and 
giving them millions of dollars and hoping that they're going to deliver. And a few weeks later, as they're waiting on pins and needles, realizing that they haven't delivered and starting to wonder, did I just get scammed? It can be hard for each player in this marketplace to figure out if they are getting scammed. Some brokers are taking measures to address this concern. One in Colorado is actively policing his group of sellers to identify fraud and price gouging. But many of the logistical problems involved in importing medical supplies complicates the picture. There are all sorts of customs and legal and regulatory issues in getting the supply out of China and to the United States. Some people had masks that were the Chinese version of the N95 masks called a KN95 mask, which the U.S. said, those are fine, we'll take them. Just the other day, the U.S. government said, no, we're no longer taking some of them. Other people have had problems with shipping and logistics, that you get everything made, but then how do you get it out of the country? There have also been labeling discrepancies and customs delays. China would change regulations at the last minute. In one case, the masks got all the way to the U.S. only to be the wrong type. All of these issues make it hard for public officials to get the medical supplies they so desperately need, making them rely even more on these middlemen. And one broker who has landed some very large contracts is a guy named Mike Gula. Until recently, Mike Gula was in a very different business. Mike Gula is one of those prominent Republican fundraisers in Washington. He's someone who, outside of Washington, is not known of at all. But in the small world of Republican fundraising circles, he was a big deal. He raised over $300 million for Republican candidates over the years, uh, many prominent House members and senators. Brody says Gula had dozens and dozens of clients. At 39, he was a top Republican fundraiser in Washington. He's working out of an office uh, near Capitol Hill where his staff members give him, as a president one time, a framed picture of Ari Gold from Entourage. In early March, he's in that office by Capitol Hill, and he calls a business associate. They start talking and decide to start a medical supply business. They called it Blue Flame, and they got to work. They start contacting states through political connections they have. Again, if you're Mike Gula... You have raised a lot of money for Republican lawmakers. Those Republican lawmakers are in the House, they're in the Senate, but they're also governors and other state officials. So you have sort of an in to many state governments who are the biggest consumer at this point. So he finds his way to many states who start placing orders, huge orders. Uh, The state of Maryland placed an order on April 1st, which was less than a week after he started his company. States of Tennessee, Alabama... Enrico County, outside of Richmond, people all over the country are placing orders with him incredibly quickly. Remember that $600 million deal that Brody described with California? That was Gula, too. That deal was made just days after he started his business. When he threw up his website in late March, he and his partner claimed that Blue Flame Medical was one of the largest providers of... um, coronavirus, medical suppliers in the world, which may or may not be true, but they certainly thought that it was with the amount of deals they were making at that time. With the orders rolling in, Blue Flame started figuring out how to fulfill them. After the break, how one of those orders ended up under federal investigation. 
Welcome back. One of the first deals Mike Gula made after he started Blue Flame was with the state of Maryland. So through a political connection, Mike Gula contacted someone in the administration of Larry Hogan, the Republican governor in Maryland. That official directed him to essentially the state procurement office. And on April 1st, they signed a deal. It was for about $12 million. Normally, states don't pay for supplies up front. They often have 30 days to pay after getting an invoice. But the pandemic caused some states to loosen their protocols. In Gula's deal, he asked Maryland to put 50% down. Maryland agreed and handed him $6 million. The order was for, I believe, 1.5 million masks, protective masks, and 110 uh, ventilators. The ventilators were about 40,000 each. The prices of both of those are far more than they were six months ago or maybe even two months ago. Maryland was expecting the shipment within 14 days, as Gula had promised. But Gula says it was around this time that China changed its customs rules and stopped the export of masks. What that means is that Gula and his company have signed a $12 million deal. They've taken $6 million. They've paid the Chinese supplier for the masks. And now all of a sudden, they can't get the masks and they're out their money. So there's about a two-week back and forth where Maryland goes to Blue Flame and says, okay, guys, uh, where's our masks? And Blue Flame says, oh, don't worry, they're coming, they're coming. And Maryland says, all right, well, you know, it's been a while and we need these masks. And the Blue Flame folks are still trying to, like, work out how to get these masks. Ultimately, Blue Flame gave up on that Chinese manufacturer and sourced the masks from somewhere else. So they say they had to pay twice for the one and a half million masks Maryland ordered. But for Maryland, their order of life-saving medical equipment was already two weeks overdue. And they weren't going to wait any longer. Maryland sort of threw up his hands and said, we've had it, uh, canceled the deal, and then referred the matter to law enforcement officials in Maryland who are looking into whether this was a fraudulent act or just, uh, you know, sort of an, an unlucky situation for Blue Flame. Did Maryland get their money back? Maryland has asked for their money back, and as of now, we don't know if they have gotten their money back. Maryland is continuing with its strong response to Gula. At a press conference, Governor Hogan said that it was unconscionable that anyone would exploit the pandemic for profit. What was Blue Flame's response to Maryland canceling the contract and referring it to law enforcement? They first of all said that they've done nothing wrong. They said that the supply got caught in China by these new customs rules that they have no control over. They said that as soon as that happened, which was of no fault of their own, they immediately paid out of their own pocket millions of dollars to try to source the masks uh, from a different company. So from their perspective, they were dealt an unfortunate, unlucky break, and they are bending over backwards and scurrying like mad to get these masks to Maryland. Blue Flame also said that the company would cooperate with any investigations into their deals. For Gula, this is not the first deal that had gone awry. That $600 million deal with California was canceled by the state the very same day. Another buyer balked because the $300,000 Blue Flame was charging for shipping was the same price as the supplies themselves. And a deal with Tennessee fell through after prices changed before the order was completed. 
In recent weeks, the Justice Department and Congress have both started investigations into Blue Flame. What do you think this market's going to look like in a few months? Is it going to kind of work out these kinks? I think this marketplace will settle down. I think it's the Wild West right now. I don't know how long it'll continue to operate in this sort of unregulated, chaotic way. I think that, you know, the first time you try to buy supplies from China, you run into all these logistical problems and you don't know what you're doing and things get seized and you don't know how to ship things here. And then the next time you do it, you figure out a different supplier or a different way to go or a different way of shipping. And then people sort of get better at it and then can scale up. And I think we'll look back and realize that this crazy marketplace of right now was an aberration and a huge problem and it should have been foreseen. Isn't it also the kind of American entrepreneurial spirit where these people are filling a void to provide vital supplies? They're trying to help get this protective gear to the right place. Absolutely. I mean, I think that everyone who's in this business says, I'm trying to help out. And I think what happened is a lot of these players, because they haven't been this marketplace before, got over their skis. And that's why you have a lot of these problems and cancel orders and controversy and and now federal and state investigations. That's all for today, Wednesday, May 13th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Susan Pulliam and Brett Forrest for their reporting on this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.